Today I want to I want to talk about. Uh, it's funny uh, to write the little secret place, and the, which is where I'll sit down and write it out of what we just where we are, where we're traveling on the church, and then I'll list what's happening in the week, and I'll put the message the title for the message. But that I write somewhere 12, 13 days in advance of the message. So like, I've already written the secret place that will go out tomorrow, and I don't remember what my message is next week. So there's always that a possibility, probably one out of 10, I'll change the title because God's done something in between that time. And many times it's amazing uh, where I am, we are at the time we get there. I try to listen. Uh, this Wednesday, I morning, early in the morning, I woke up and I thought to myself, oh my Lord, we're, we're, we're declaring you're going to come and release the Father's blessing. And boy, I know we need it, and I'm not sure how you're about going to go about doing that. I feel the vulnerability. I've said something. I believe it was you who said you wanted to, but how do you want to? How will you? And so I got up really early and began to pray, and the Lord took me not where I was planning, but, uh, but, I, but, but to the story of Jacob. Because I uh, just saw a man, I, I titled, I, this is still titled The Father's Blessing, but it could also be titled A Father's Prayer. Because we're going to look in chapter 32 of Genesis. Now, if to get the full weight of the story, and if any of this really begins to stir you, you, the whole story of Je Jacob goes from Genesis 24 to Genesis 35. It spans uh, 147 years of his life. There are some crazy things I hadn't realized, so I always realize things later. But let me, let me say one thing that is encouraging. Uh, when you read a person in the Bible, and there's a lot of copy, a lot of chapters, a lot of verses surrounding that person, basically, you're reading them in their, in their uh, coming into faith, coming out of the flesh, into the spirit. It's filled with failures. You're seeing men and women of promise trying to perform a promise with their own hands, the conflict that, that it brings. So some of God's most celebrated servants, Abraham or Jacob or David or Moses, have a massive story behind them because God is very strongly working on something that they themselves have been given in Christ before time began, have said yes to what the promise is, but have no clue on how to get there and are making a whole lot of mistakes, which is really encouraging to me. Let me say, um, so to give you the, the quick story, Isaac marries Rebecca, and she is barren at the time of their marriage, and after 20 years, God hears Isaac's cry, and she becomes pregnant. She carries, uh, she feels a wrestling, a struggle that's going on within her, and she inquires of the Lord, if everything is okay, why do I have this struggle? He says, because there's two nations inside of your womb, and they're vying for who will rule. And it will be the younger that will lead, and the older will serve the younger. So upon the birth of, of the twins, 
Esau came out first. He was redheaded. He was, from the very beginning, he was going to be a man's man. And, uh, but behind him came Jacob, fair and clutching his heel. So they called Esau Esau because of his red hair, red skin, and he came to be known as Edom because he just kept that direction. Jacob, they called him a heel catcher or surplanter. That's what the name Jacob meant. Now, Esau was indeed a, he was an archer, he was a hunter, he was fully out there, and his dad loved him. Isaac loved him, loved his food, loved his game. Uh, Jacob was content to hang home at home. He loved to hang in the tent. And he, his grandpa, Abraham, was alive while he was, until he was 12, 13 years old. So he'd hear the stories of grandpa sharing about this journey, how they've gotten to where they are. Uh, one day, somewhere in that time, uh, maybe, in his maybe even into their 20s or 30s, I don't know, we don't have the time frame, but we know that Esau comes out from hunting and he's famished, he's exhausted, and Jacob is perfecting his mother's lentil soup. And it's just, oh, the aroma. Uh, and, and Esau says, I gotta have some, give me some of that soup. And Jacob says, not unless you give me your birthright. And he says, well, what good is my birthright right now? I'm exhausted, I'm about to famish, I'm gonna fall apart. And so he says, well, then swear to me that I can have your birthright, so he does. He eats, and the Bible declares that, that he despised his birthright. He did not value it at a time of, 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 of struggle. Fast forward. We know this event at this time. Jacob and Esau are 77. I used to think because I'd followed the story of Joseph, I kind of assumed it had to be in the early 20s when they were doing their family drama. But some family drama never goes away, right? <laughs> it just gets older. <laughs> And these guys are in family drama. Uh, Isaac says to Esau, I want you to go out into the country. I want you to go kill uh, one of the game that I love, and I want you to prepare it the way I like it. I'm going to eat it, and then I want to bless you because I'm ready to die. Isaac's 130. Uh, so Esau goes to do it. But Rebekah, his mother, Isaac's wife, has heard his, her husband's desire and plan to bless Esau. And she's carrying a prophetic promise over the future of her son. So she goes to Jacob and says, quick, go get me one of those young kid goats, lamb, and let me bring it to me and let me prepare it just the way your father loves it. And then I want you to go in and he's going to bless you. You go, well, but I'm fair skinned. I, I, I'm nothing like Esau. What if he finds I'm Jacob and then he curses me? And she's so forthright in her faith that she says, well, let his curse come upon me then. Just do what I say. So he, Jacob jumps in, gets in, he comes in, he puts lamb's wool on, she does lamb's wool on his hands, puts Jacob, uh, Esau's clothes on, the smell of the earth, and you know the story. He successfully tricks his father into believing that he is Esau and gets the blessing the father wanted to give to Esau comes upon him, which he will be the head, not the tail. He will lead, he will rule. And so in this moment, he just leaves the tent, and Jake Esau comes in. And Esau just, Father, he's, I'm here. Eat some of the food and bless me. And he says, who are you? He says, I'm Esau, your son. And then it, 
becomes an apparent that Jacob has come in and stole the birth, and not, he's got the blessing. And Esau's beside himself. He's weeping. He's bitter. He's angry. He's lost. And you can go to Hebrews chapter 12 to discover the God viewpoint of what was happening. But he consoles himself, like so many of us do when we have uh, succumbed to envy and anger, with the idea that, well, my dad's going to die pretty soon. And once he's dead and we mourn him, I'm going to kill my brother. And then we'll see what happens to his blessing. What happens is that this news comes to Rebecca, and Rebecca then says uh, to Isaac, and then also to Jacob, I need him. I want you to send him back to my, uncle, my brother's house up in northern Turkey. And I want you to go up there, and he needs to get a wife from there. I, I am, my, I, my soul is just being tormented by the Hittite women. So they send him away. What she says to her son is, I want you to go be with your brother for a few days while his hot-headed anger subsides, and then I'll call for you, and you'll come back. So he does so. Uh, on his way is when he has that, that, vision, that dream of, of the, the ladder and of God's promise to him and what he's going to do and bring him back. And he arrives in Haran, and there he f- comes in contact with Rachel, and it's love at first sight. It's like smitten, smitten, just, oh. And he's with his uncle, and while they're together, after a short while, his uncle proposes, hey, you don't need to just work here for free. Tell us what your wage are. And he says, well, I'll work for you for seven years for the hand of your daughter, Rachel. He says, well, that's a great idea. We'd rather give her to you, kindred, than... So yes, so he does, and it says in the Bible that his heart, it just went like, like, just like happened like a day or two. On the night of his wedding, after they had celebrated their wedding, uh, Laban, his, his, who is his father-in-law, slips in Leah, Rachel's older sister. And uh, so he consummates the marriage with Leah, not Rachel. And he's, you know, and now begins some of Jacob's discovery journeys of of conflict and of effort and trial and so forth. He's, he's furiated, and his fa- uh, father-in-law says, well, it's not our custom to let the, old, the younger be married before the older, so just keep her for a week, and then I'll give you Rachel, and then you can work for me for another seven years. <laughs> what a good deal of that. So he does, and um, children start popping up. And uh, it gets to the point where the rivalry is so strong in amongst the sisters that uh, Rachel is offering her, ba- her maid for him to have as a wife for bring more children because she can't bring children, and then vice versa, uh, Leah does it. So by the time uh, 14 years have gone by, there is uh, 20 years. There's children from four different wives, and they're at 11 sons and one more coming, Rachel's pregnant. So Jacob has been led by the Lord to find a way to amass great wealth through his uncle by letting God be the, the means to bring the provision out of supernatural directives. And even though he would come up with one plan, Laban would try to change the plan. And over 10 different times, he changes the labor contract but yet God still prospers uh, Jacob. 
So now 20 years after his arrival, he is leaving with his four wives and 11 sons, daughters, and then Rachel being pregnant. And they have a little spat with uh, Laban when he finds that he snuck away, and God undoes that and really freely disconnects Jacob from all of these past relationships because it was God who said to him, I want you to go home now. I want you to go home and be with your family. I want you to go to the land I promised. And so everything, would almost, everything just is moving forward, and chapter 32 is where we are now in the story. It says that he, uh, Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Now, I want you to know one of the things about Jacob was he was sovereignly called to be who he became, but he was positioned fleshly to be denied ever being that, which is one of the means and probably the primary way in which we are perfected in our calling into our identification, into our inheritance, is that we are promised, a promise given, a promise made is an inheritance given. It's an awakening recognition. And Jacob valued God. He valued. He wasn't just, you know, doing, you know, sibling spat. He wanted the birthright because it was the means to get to the next generational blessing. He lived in the stories of Abraham. He valued, and he was willing to risk his life at his mother's leading, but he really wanted that blessing. And when he's sent to live with Laban, he's, being, he's blessed again by Isaac on purpose, voluntarily, with Abraham's blessing. And he's anointed. He's smart. He's intuitive. He's discerning. He's learning. He's coming up with Leading, the leading of the Lord. In every way, he's growing up into whom he is called to be. But on chapter 32, it would appear that the best is yet to now start breaking free because here's the angels. You're meeting angels. Whoa, I mean, wait, cool. I mean, I like camping, but how about camping with angels? And it says that when he saw him, he said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of the place Mahanam, which means the double camp camp of man and camp of the angels. There's two camps that are right here. And so now Jacob is going home. So he sends messengers to Esau, and he, and he makes it in a very conciliatory fashion. He says, uh, say, say to Esau, speak to the, the, thus to my Lord. Your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and have stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and males, and female servants, and I have sent uh, to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. So this is a day or two travel. He's, Mount Seir is where now Esau lives. He's going to be known as Mount Seir in the Bible, as Edom, and as Esau, the, the, the nation. Then the messengers return to Jacob. Now here's where the crisis is about to happen. We, he said, we came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. And it says, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. You see, he left a brother set on killing him in an unresolved conflict. And he is in a distressful place because God is doing something far greater than Jacob understands. 
He's moving a line, a, a firstborn to firstborn to firstborn blessing to a nation and the 12 sons. And he doesn't understand that because God never tells you what he's really doing. He's just telling you what to do. He's often not giving you the full story behind because then where's the faith? But in any case, he's freaked out. Let's put it this way. Jacob's problem with his brother has just increased 400 times. He would have been a dead boy when he's at 77. Now he's 97, which is crazy. This moment in Jacob's life is the, the closest to Abraham's moment when he's 99 and called the circumcised name change. So Jacob does some reasonable calculations. First thing he does is he divides all of his, all of his resource, all of his wealth, all of his, all of his stuff into two great two companies. And the, and the reason is, if Esau comes to one company and attacks it, then the other company is left and will escape. So I may lose half of my wealth, but I got another half. He's just, he's doing what he, he's preparing to face something that he was told to run away from, but now he's told to come back into, but it's 400 times worse. So I don't know what that is like for you, but I know all kinds of things like that for me, where they, they just pull me into a, into a I, I don't know what to do. Well, Jacob said, oh, my God, my father, Abraham, oh, God of my father. He prays a pretty good prayer. And God of my father, Isaac, the Lord who said to me, always get God's what he said to you in your prayer. Return to your company and to your family, and I'll deal well with you. You told me to go, and you told me to be well. Good prayer. I am not worthy of the least of all of the mercies and all the truth which you've shown your servant. All the mercies, all the... Oh, it's good to be grateful. It's good to be grateful. Whenever you pray, be grateful. God doesn't like ungrateful people. Uh, he'll put up with us, but he doesn't respond. It's just good. Just always be, honor him that where I am is better than where I was. I crossed over this Jordan with my staff. Now I've become two companies. Two companies. Deliver me. I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, now again, always bring God's words back to him. He responds to his words because they are his words. I will surely treat you well, and I'll make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. <sighs> so he lodged there the same night. And now he's pondering again, what do I do? What, how, do I, how do I move? You see, God's always leading us, giving us insight. Sometimes it's really just simple strategies of, of, of relationship. And he took what came to his hand as a present to Esau. He gets five groups of his animals. He says it begins with a full, 200 female goats and 20 male goats. Then he goes 200 ewes and 20 rams, so the sheep and the, and the goats. Then he gets camels, then he gets cows, and last he gets donkeys. And he, they're, they're self-contained herds. And he sends them by a, one of his servants, and he says to them, uh, pass over before me and put some distance between the successive droves. Let, their, let us not, just don't crowd the whole thing in. Give one gift at a time. And he commanded the first one, saying, when Esau, my brothers, 
meets you and you asks you, saying, to whom do you, do you belong and where are you going and what are these in front of you? Well, then you shall say that they're your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent by my Lord Esau, and behold, he is also behind us. And he instructs his servants to do that, every one of them. And he comes up and he says, uh, jump down to the appeasement. He has a plan in this. It's bribery, basic bribery. Uh, uh, Keep going. Keep going, please. I want to, I'll find it then. Yes, there it is. Verse 20. said, Behold, my servant is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterwards, I'll see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So he's doing everything in his human power and his divine instruction. And he's a smart man. He knows how to work a system and he knows how things are. And a gift in secret will you know, often appease great wrath. So he's, he's okay, good. So then he... The present went over before him, but he himself lodged. He rose that night, and he took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and he crossed over the fort of Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook, and he sent over what he had. Then, and verse 24 is the key, that all of us will be in many times in our life, and at sometimes the most important time of our life. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. For me, that man is God the Son, the Son of Man, who would come to be my mediator and my Lord and my Savior. Hosea chapter 12 also calls him an angel, but here it calls him a man. It's God, and you'll see that for sure. And he's initiating an event with Jacob. Jacob has done everything he can but there's something that needs to transact. And so it says, when he saw, he, the man, saw he did not prevail against him, the Jacob, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was put out, put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, if any of you have had hip injuries before, you know absolutely how incredibly painful that is, you know? Uh, Cammy had a hip replacement because of the hip injuries in surfing. And uh, it's, it's just debilitating. So, and so this man is trying to get Jacob to lose the, the wrestle. And he said to him, let me go for the day breaks. This is the man, the angel, the angel of the Lord. Let me go, the day breaks. For he said, but he, Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. Until you bless me, I will not let you go. Now, besides the fact that I discovered for the first time that Jacob was 97 years old, he's going to live to 147 when when he's in Egypt, when he passes, but he's 97. This is not some teenage issue he's trying to resolve. There's something deep that's happening that's it's national thing. Now, and he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. The word wrestle, it's, it's, it's like a crazy word because it's only used twice in the Bible, and it's used in this chapter twice. And uh, it's, 
it, it comes, it's a, uh, it's a primitive root, and it means to uh, float away as vapor. But it's used, you know, also it comes from the root of A, uh, which means light particles. We are born in this world in the flesh and blood. And yet, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood profits nothing. So we are in this struggle to apprehend what is given to us by spirit and life and truth, word, while we try to work it out with the flesh and blood. And this wrestling is a reduction of the flesh. Let me write, read a couple of things I wrote as this appeared. Uh, let me go is a primitive root. It just simply means to send me away. Uh, I, uh, I asked this question while I'm in the presence of the Lord over this week. Why does God discourage us? Send me away. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not interested. Let me go. And he said to me, which you'll have to admit because it's in the Bible. He does not discourage us. He resists us. He resists the pride. He will not submit to flesh and blood and its demands, wherever they are, however they're hidden. He resists the proud. So there's a resistance. Uh, but he goes on. Let me just read what I said. Uh, God resists the proud. It's ourself he will not bless. Only himself. He says, in blessing, I will bless you. <clears throat> the promises made are only as good as the one who made them and only receivable to the one who believes the one who made it. A promise made is an inheritance given. Life's struggles. Now I'm talking 20, I'm now talking 97 years struggle. This began in the womb. First sign of it, was a, he, a hand on a heel and a desire for a birthright, willingness to get a blessing, trying to find your way in this new relationship, being in a no place you plan to be, but something about God you can't let go. Life struggles are our reductions to receive God's blessing through faith. It is not our achievement, but our displacement from self-reliance that God seeks. It is there we decide. Forget it. I'm not doing this. I'm not, I don't know who this God is. I don't know what's happening. Or I will not. I cannot let you go until you bless me. You see, this is more than a promise being fulfilled. Promises can be fulfilled without God's blessing. God told Moses, I'll do it all, the whole nation of Israel. I'll just... Give them everything, but I just can't be with you guys. I'm going to kill you all. So there's, there's possibilities. Uh, Israel said, oh, we just want to eat some meat. Just give me a cheeseburger. And so he sent the quail. But he also then sent leanness into their soul. So it's, uh, let me just read these couple more things because they're worth reading. Marriage is a picture of promise. Promises are made on a wedding day, vows, and they will be tested over and over again. It's not the promise made, 
It's the one who made it. That becomes our confidence and relentless bound. Because you can't force a promise to be fulfilled. That isn't no longer a promise. It's a debt. One who made us and promises us and opposes us, our pride, is displacing our thigh and demanding we let him go. You've got to get this imagery. I mean, it's all throughout the Bible. God is not going to inherit flesh and blood. He's not going to bless the hand of man. But he puts within flesh and blood a desire for who he is. And we say, I don't know what you're talking about, but I can't go anywhere else because you have the words of eternal life. I believe you're the Savior. You're making, you're, it, it's, it's something so deep. Promises are not debts that God must keep. And if you do force God to perform his promise out of impudence of your soul, he will send leanness into your soul. So this story of life struggling, knew he, we're right there. I'm not letting you go. See, some of us are right there. You're just going, hey, I can't go and face 400 men with just sending him a bunch of gifts. He's, rent, he's bent on killing me. And I've done everything you said, and you've given me promise, and I'm here on obedience to what you said. But I don't, I need one thing, and I've got to get a supernatural blessing on this. Because otherwise, I have no guarantee that the end of the promise will be I'm dead. And still the promise will be fulfilled in your, in your spectrum. But I'm, I'm the man facing the 400 men. So he said to him, the man, Jesus, angel, what is your name? He wouldn't be Jesus then, because Jesus became the name given to the baby in the womb when he became son of man. But he would be God the Son, as we often call the angel of the Lord, someone being present because he's always been what is your name he said Jacob I'm a surf planner I'm a heel grabber he says no, your name shall no longer be called Jacob but Israel for you have struggled with God and I hear I gotta go back to the old King James this is some places old King James just just has got a strength to it let me, let me put it out there. What old King James says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince has thou power with man, God and men. For as a prince, which is what Israel means, as to be a prince of God, to rule as a prince. You, are, you have struggled. You have become a prince with power with God and men. So this is the entirety of a journey of 97 years that are now coming to a culmination of identification. He's about to, he's changing his name. All name changes in the Bible are significant. And they, they, they are marking of what God sovereignly called us to be before we were conceived in Christ and brought me into the womb and into the earth. But we have to become that through the struggle in life to the, op- uh, uh, the, the conflicts. The, the, I mean, Jacob, if anybody, had all the reasons to kind of say, I just can't stay in pursuit. This is way too complicated already. But he doesn't because he has no choice. Jacob says, uh, 
tell me your name. And I pray. And he said, why? Why do you ask me about my name? You're not an equal to God. <laughs> One day you will be so happy to find that out. When I found out that God is God and I'm not, boy, it took a lot of relief off of my shoulders. When I found that God does what he does because he promised it without my ability to perform it, oh, that was another relief. When I found out that God does what he said because he said what he said to do what he does for his glory, and if I mess it up, he can't stop it, oh, that was another bound relief. And when I found out that God honors those who seek him, who will not relinquish their grip on him, who go through hell, who go through struggles and troubles and cannot, cannot reconcile. You see, promises often create problems far greater than a promise seems worth it. And when you find it, see, Esau gave up his birthright for a bowl of soup. So he couldn't get the inheritance. He couldn't. That's what my secret place will be on tomorrow morning. When it came time to inherit the blessing. He couldn't get it, even though he sought it with tears, cried out vehemently. But he had already said no. God does not give himself to those who do not value him. But when you value him, he does not give it to you because you just had that inclination. He proves it. He proves it to yourself. He proves it to us. We get up. We can't get... And, and so he says, and blessed him there. He said, don't ask me about my name. He blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Remember that wrestling? He's taken your flesh down. And if you're a fleshy creature and a soulish man, you are going to have a miserable time. And I can tell you because I am a fleshy creature and a soulish man. And I can't reconcile. How can a God who's supposed to be so good and so big and so wonderful be so awful? Why does he make it so hard? Why doesn't he defend it? I went through the renewal, went through revival, and, and I'd ask God late. We, we, we just kind of said, God, where were you? I mean, what, what in the world? We serve you 100%, and what do you do? You disappear. You leave me to the devices of men, to my own devices. You should have known. Why didn't you step in? It was a great opportunity. All you had to do is come and do a great miracle, and everybody would be quiet. And that's true, but that only lasts for a few weeks. Follow Moses' life. One miracle shuts everybody up to about three days later. The next problem gets them all murmuring. It was a deeper work God's after in all of us. So he crossed over the penule as the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. And therefore, to this day, the children of Israel don't eat uh, the, the shrink of the hip socket. And then the next verse of chapter 33 says he saw Esau arriving. He was a man who had been blessed. A blessing can be given to you through your father. It can be given to those of us transferring it from places we've been with God before. We can release blessing. We're laying on of hands. is a primary way of releasing blessing. We're going to do it. But ultimately, there will come a day for every one of us where we are face-to-face -face with God. No longer will we blame anyone else, or no longer will we need a resolution to anything else. We just simply, I've got a hold of you. Think of this. You're holding a spirit.
who's wrestling against you. Spirits wrestling against my flesh and blood. And he's vaporizing my flesh and blood. Like light particles, he's bursting through. Don't, don't anyone tell you that God comes to coddle the flesh. Maybe for a newborn. But after that, he's here to crucify. That's what Jesus said. If you don't crucify, if you don't pick up your cross, if you don't deny yourself, you will not have any part of me. You won't be able to follow me because where I'm taking you is to the same cross. So Jacob has been going through it. He's not had a wonderful life. Dear God, marries a woman of his dream and gets three other wives and strife and contentions. Rachel, who's so embittered about not having kids, says, you give me kids or I'll die. And he says, he gets angry. See, you think I'm God? Yet God's doing something. He's forming a nation. God's forming nations, forming things in our lives through the struggles we're in. It's not the struggle that's stopping us. It's the struggle that's birthing us. You've got to realize that. I know we can't, re- we can't remember when we were born, but I've been told it was pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> Big old muscles going, <laughs> and you're going, come on, what in the world happened? I'm loving this place. It's free food, free drink, free everything. It's cozy, warm. It's travail, and we're in it. We're in it. You say, well, I don't want to be in travail. Nobody asked us. The earth is in travail. We're in travail. If you have any struggle with your flesh to call it to submit to God, not fornicate, and not idolatrate. I don't know if that's a word, but... You know that at some point in time, you say, you know, I just, could you just, I'm not in any hurry, but I'd actually, I am in a hurry. Can you please, I want the redemption of my body. I want the body that's now submitted to the spirit, not in conflict with my spirit. And yet God says, no, 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 we're, we're perfecting something. I'm only giving the inheritance blessing to the one who has become a prince with power with me and man. And you go, and that's not through the means of the flesh. It's through this thing that's happening. I won't let you go. I'm holding a living spirit that's vaporizing me. Do you understand that? That's why so many believers, they get, they get stirred, they get moved, they begin to pursue, they get going, and next thing, you know, crises, collapse, troubles, struggles, and love, and you're just thinking, I can't make any sense of this. I'm, I'm backing out of it. And God says, that's fine. I've backed out so many times. Because we're in Christ. All you have to do is return to Christ. And he says, we're, we'll start right where we were. Don't worry. We didn't miss a moment. <laughs> because he's worth it all. So Jacob sees Esau. And there he is coming. And he does all of his, he's still in the same process, bows and, and wants to be, give all this offering, giving. But then they, Esau runs in and hugs him. And there's just something's happening. God's blessing. I say, what is a blessing? When heaven releases the blessing over your life that is sovereign from where you were conceived in Christ before time began, when that blessing comes into intelligible, communicable, receivable posture, you get a new name. And you say, well, is that just for the the few? No, 
Revelation says everybody who overcomes is going to get a new name. And the name is not one you get to know. Others know. It's just you get to know. There's something about a real place in God that you go, I don't need to tell anybody who I am. I know who I am. It's who God says I am. I first learned to accept the words of God's. Now he's spoken specifically to me. It also brings protection. It turns your 400-time problem into reconciliation, redemption. It gives you freedom to move in difficult situations that you no, no longer are going to struggle through the way you did. It opens doors that no man can shut and shuts doors that no man can open. It uh, puts the fear of God as a wall around you to keep others from messing with you when now God is moving you on purpose for something he has to do. It's, 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 it's what makes the day fat. It makes the day full. It makes the day work. It's, it's grace fulfilled. It's all by grace, but it's not like a completion grace. And I believe with all my heart that Father's blessing is available, but it, I can't, and we will ask for it to be released. But if you find yourself wrestling with Jesus tonight, that's where you're to receive it. Don't, don't, don't run from it. I didn't talk to Diana and Norco what songs to sing or what I was going to, they didn't know what I was going to say, but they sing all the songs of today. I'm not going to, if, if his love comes after you, he's going to kill you. He didn't come to kiss your, to make you feel good. He came to love you, to lay down your life for him, to let go of that flesh that just is not going to serve you for the rest of eternity. It's going to not. And, and I just believe that some of us in some real points, you've done everything you can do, and you're in, on target with what God is doing, but there's obstacles that are beyond what you know how to manage, and there's nothing you can do to make it happen. I began my prayer with, Lord, there's so much. I'm losing my strength. I'm getting older. I have more than I could ever hope for. I've received from you, but more to be done that I could never do. And I need you to come and bless me. And I need you to come and bless me. And I need you to, I won't let you go. So he's not asking for promise. He's not asking for wealth. He's not asking for the death of his enemies. He's not even asking for Esau to be shut down. He's just saying, I need a blessing. It's raw communication with God. If God is blessing me, it's good. If God is resisting me, it ain't good. He resists you like a wall. He stands in your way and he knocks you down. He says, anybody tries to rise up, I'm going to push you down. God, I'm just flesh and blood. He says, I know, that's what we're dealing with, the flesh. You're like Lucifer right now. You think you can be equal with me. Just rise up and be yourself. Do your thing. You're so full of self-righteousness, fueled by self-esteem. No, shut up, sit down. You know, God, that's so terrible, that's so mean. But then you get, you go past that. I dare anybody to go past it. You go past that. You say, I'm, I'm holding on to a God that's vaporizing me. But I want to understand something. I don't know all of this, but I'm not letting you go. We're in this thing. We got this far. We got this deep. We got to get to the other side. See, some of us are carrying burdens of family drama that are 20 years old, just like Jacob was. 
And it isn't going away. It's 400 times worse. And all of the work to solve it with all of the mediation of, he, of family stuff isn't going to work. Jacob is a perfect, whatever, everything that happens to Jacob is so incredible. First off, he reconciles to his brother but does not submit to his brother. His brother is off on the flesh hound. And he's living in Mount Seir. His dad, Isaac, is living by himself in uh, uh, Hebron. Jacob is able to come back in reconciliation, but not back into uh, uh, partnership, which is huge. Some of us in family will reconcile, but not partner because of the difference of who's what pursuit. He is able to maneuver crazy stuff. Jealous brothers, rape in the family, uh, fear issues. He comes to his dad. He's with his dad for 27 years before his dad dies. Some of us, 130, think it's time for me to give my blessing away. Well, you've still got another 50 years to live out your life. And he gets to spend uh, 27 years. All his kids get to meet his dad, his, their grandpa. And Isaac is there with Jacob when Joseph is taken off as a slave and can say, son, I understand where you are. This is how I felt when you had to leave me. It's just, it's just so much more. There's so much more of life. You're cutting things off and saying, it's the only way I can live with this. The idea is it's never going to happen. That's true. But then God says, I want to come and do, and do supernatural reconciliation, redemption, activation. I want to bless you. I want to make you so big in me that there's nothing of you that you need. And that's what he's doing. We just have to be willing. Jacob understands. You're usually called the name against your identity. When jealousy and envy and conflict is contending against your destiny. And you're given nicknames or you're given surplanter. Heel grabber. But now he's called the prince who has power with God and man. And has prevailed. He could make things. So Rachel's about to die because she's giving a hard labor. She's carrying his second son. When she births him, as her last breath leaves, she calls him Ben-Onemi or something like that, son of my sorrow. Jacob understands the power of a name, and he says, no, you're now going to be son of my right hand, Benjamin. You have the ability to change destinies at an early start for people. There's untold. He blesses Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. He blesses Pharaoh. This Jacob, he, his life, I bet if he would say, he, he, as he said to Pharaoh, he said, my life's been hard. It's absolutely miserable pilgrimage. But now Israel, the, the name God calls Israel all the time is Jacob. Not Abraham, not Isaac. He says, Jacob, because this is the birth. Who knows what we're being born into, what we're struggling through, what, you're, what conflict you're in. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I praise you so much for this beautiful company of pursuers. We're already here because we're deep beyond our, way beyond what we know what to do with. But you do. I release to whatever level I can release 
or to whatever level you, would, you will release from what I say, that as you met me and are meeting me with the blessing, with the reconciling of events, moments, emotions, fears, distress, duress, and starting just saying, no, 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 Steve, you didn't understand what was happening. It was in the Great Reduction Act, taking you down. But now you've come to have power. Lord, I know there are many in this room here that are in that same place. Oh, they, we, just, we just can't stop. We don't, we'd love to quit, but we can't. We would have easily quit pursuing you, but you are the one that's calling us up. Now we won't let you go. Lord, I want to release, and this is the blessing that begins. I want to release God, the Son, Jesus, glorious one, the great intercessor, to meet us in our journey at present moment. And if we are in our conflict, conflicts, not in sync with your greatness and goodness and power and dominion and might, that you would shift us back to there's only one problem in this earth and that's God and there's only one solution on this earth and it's God my problem is not man it's him if you oppose me I'll never make it but if you bless me I can't be stopped so I'm asking you dear father in this house there's so many that are ready to follow you and are following you and have said yes and are advancing but they're also finding conflicts and struggles that are beyond what they could have ever reconciled and even their understanding of the ways of the spirit are not enough to navigate what's happening but I'm asking you Father in Jesus name that they will find their grip on Jesus Jesus you would never leave us nor forsake us that we would say to our well I'll never let you go and we'll not let you go will not let you go. Go ahead, tell the Lord. We're going to worship. Tell him whatever's happening inside of you, please. You 
have the victory Your love has prevailed I'm learning to listen I'm learning to hear The voice of my Father You've opened my ears You are triumphant You never fail You have the victory Your love has prevailed I'm learning to listen I'm learning to hear Voice of my Father, open my ears. Now the Father's blessing comes when at a point in time, God seems to say to you, leave me alone. And you know inside, I'm not letting you go because I can't go on without a greater blessing. Like Elijah being told by Elijah, Stay over in this city while I move on. And Elijah, knowing that the future, his future, was connected to Elijah. So he says, I won't leave you. We can't produce in a few minutes. It may take months. But we can't initiate and willingly receive or accept. have been given the great honor to agree with Jesus Christ, our Lord, and his victory that Father prevailed through him, his victory, and accept his words and learn his language. And when you get that moment, you're feeling it. You go with it. Don't stop. You go on with your day. We've got duties, Father's good stuff, but, but just go back and get there. So everybody just stand up one more time. I want to release the blessing. For some, this may become something like a, like a, like a, uh, about to become a waterfall falling from heaven on top of you. Like, whoa! Others, it may become just the beginning of mist, starting a, a search. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. As such and such, should we accept that we respond to what God starts or calls us to. Dear Heavenly Father, I bless as a father, the father of this house, and a son who's learned to follow you, Father. I've lost so many things. My theme is I've lost everything knowing Jesus. But as a father who's received now all that was lost is rubbish that I could gain in Christ and not be found in him having my own righteousness. I release to my brothers and sisters here in the house online later on, whoever in a rust, whoever in this struggle, this apex of shift, of destiny, of returning, of remove, renewing. I release what you did for Jacob what you've done for me and are doing for to me that the son of man would come and wrestle with us individually till we're alone and would and we would have the recognition i'm not letting you go i don't know where this takes me and i don't know what the outcome is i'm not letting you go i can't go on without you I've got to have a greater encounter, a greater blessing. Come on. 
So that's my blessing to you. It is from heaven. Our Father will initiate it. You've been blessed, many of us, but now there's a greater blessing we need, a greater blessing that we need to take us into the place that we've been set apart by God from time began, that we were sovereignly given, but flesh has to be diminished to fully receive. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We acknowledge you are the sovereign king, Messiah, the anointed one, the king of righteousness. You are our future. You are our blessing. You are the one we will not relinquish grip on forever and ever and ever. In Jesus' name, bless the dads in the house. Bless the families as they eat together or greet together or text together. Bless the day and bless those who have lost loved ones or fathers to not succumb to the sorrow and the pain, but to grab hold of the, the perfect Father of heaven and celebrate Father's Day with Father God. In the name of Jesus, amen.